When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. The whole idea behind starting this podcast was to give you the information that you need to grow your own food, no matter how much space you have. Most of what I've covered on this show has been toward in-ground gardens and containers, only briefly touching on growing indoors. That's about to change. Whether you have no access to an outdoor growing space, you want to expand on what space you have by growing more inside, or you want to extend your season by using your indoor space for gardening, I've got you covered. This episode will go over the basic requirements for growing fruits, herbs, and vegetables indoors, and the different systems that you can use to get the most from your space and your plants. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. Now, before we dig into indoor gardening, I'm going to start with a new segment on this show. I like to consider you my friend, and I hope I'm yours. And friends talk about more than just one topic, right? So I thought it'd be nice to talk about some things friends get to chat about when they meet in person with each other. So I'm starting a segment called, What Am I Doing? What Am I Reading? And What Am I Listening To? And as I answer these questions, I hope you'll share with me your answers. Message me on social media or leave me a voice message from the link in the show notes and share with me what you're doing, reading, and listening to. So what am I doing? This is all about garden work right now. It's been an exceptionally cool and wet spring, and I'm not going to complain about that because oftentimes here we don't have much of a spring. We just jump right into summer. But the rainy weather does not make it easy to keep up on the succession plantings that need to go in. I've managed to get most of the stuff done, but I've got about 250 lettuce plants that still need to go in and the remainder of my green onions. It's been super soggy and really cool, and that's great for the cool weather-loving spring plants. Um, But then it suddenly jumped up to 86 degrees today, and it's going to be in the 90s Fahrenheit all week long. And I don't want to be planting cool weather crops in that. It's also making it difficult to get my warmer weather plants hardened off so they can be ready to go in. 
we'll make it work. You know, I'll probably be waiting another week anyway to get those tomatoes and peppers in the ground because the soil temperatures just haven't warmed up yet. Although by the end of this week, they most certainly will have. The heat is supposed to break by the end of this week. So I'll get the last round of, of lettuces and stuff in and then we'll get those peppers and those tomatoes hardened off and start plugging those into the ground too. And we will be well on our way. So what am I reading? I am an avid reader. Um, and I often have two or three books going at once. One that I'm reading right now is actually a book club read with my fellow podcasters over at the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It's a self-help book of sorts aimed at helping people eliminate barriers to success by overcoming false fears and beliefs. I'm not sure I'm loving it, but I'm giving it a chance. I'm about a third of the way through, and my impression so far is that the good bits of information that I've gleaned from the book could have been reduced to just a few pages, but I'm going to finish reading it and see how I feel at the end. And so what am I listening to? I am a, a voracious podcast consumer. I listen to podcasts more than I do music these days, especially with the longer days of solo work going on around the farm. My newest listen is Who Did What Now with Katie Sharwood. She is an irreverent social scientist that dives into history with a no-nonsense look and a whole lot of attitude. And her accent alone is entertaining. And I'm learning something each episode, which is super fun. So how about you? What are you doing reading and listening to? Let me know. So let's dig into growing your garden indoors. There are varying degrees of indoor growing, but they all require some sort of growing medium, airflow, water, light, and nutrients. So let's first talk about the different ways that you can set up your growing area. Now, the most basic of systems is just a small, simple setup that is specifically designed to be seasonal, usually for starting seeds early to get them a head start before moving them out into the garden. This can be as basic as a very sunny window, or you can set up shelves with LED or fluorescent lights, heat mats, and a fan to make your seedlings super happy as they spend their time there. But that setup is really meant for just that, a temporary home for new baby plants as they get ready to make their way outside. And then once you get done using it for the season, you generally put it away or you put it to use elsewhere. I don't really consider that indoor gardening per se. The next step up from this is a kitchen herb garden. Again, this can be simply a very sunny window with a few pots or a planter box that contains herbs that you harvest for your cooking. This is the simplest form of indoor gardening. If you intend to grow these year-round in the window, or if you have a window that isn't the brightest at all times, you may need to supplement with some additional light. For example, my kitchen window faces east, but the direct sun is blocked part of the time by tree cover. So I have a fluorescent light fixture in that window, and that provides enough um, supplemental light to let my plants stay there year-round without any trouble. You can also buy kitchen herb gardens that are meant to stay on your countertop that provide additional built-in lighting. This additional lighting is more likely a full-spectrum fluorescent bulb or an LED grow light. These are different than the regular lights that you might be using for seed starting. They have the full spectrum of light that plants need to grow and thrive throughout their entire life cycle, not just from the beginning. Now, this distinction is important because having light that's only on one end of the spectrum or the other can either stunt the plants or prevent them from flowering and fruiting. 
So if you plan to grow anything indoors fully through to harvest, be sure that you know what lights you're getting. I happen to be really partial to the LED ones. Now, many of these herb garden kits also come in larger sizes for growing bigger plants. And here's the problem that I've seen with many of these. They're just not big enough. Heck, even the herb-sized ones usually end up with plants growing up and out of them so large and hanging over. They need to be transplanted outside anyway. And of course, that's not ideal if you have no place to plant them outside. So when you're making the investment into one of these indoor countertop growing setups, be sure that you check the dimensions of the planter itself and be sure it's sized big enough to grow what you want to grow. Most of these systems are still going to be designed mainly for herbs and leafy greens. Most of them are soil-based, but in this category, you start to get into a little bit of the hydroponics or the aeroponics. I've seen prices on these range from $60 US on up to $200, depending on the size and the features. Now, if you run a grow bigger, you got to go bigger. So if you have the space, you can quite literally grow pretty much whatever you want to with individual LED grow lights. They don't give off a lot of heat. You can get floor lamp styled ones with multiple lights that turn different directions to reach different pots or even clip-on versions for smaller specimens. I use a clip-on light in my office for plants that overwinter in there and then move back outside in the spring when things warm back up a little bit. Um, your space is going to dictate what you can do. If you need to stick with countertops, that's fine. But if you can go bigger, use some floor space and jump on in. LED grow lights have gotten much less expensive and can range from $15 for a small clip-on one on up to about $75. And there are a ton of options and configurations to choose from. The next up are the prefabricated grow towers. Most of these are designed to be used outdoors on a patio, but I have seen some that are outfitted with grow lights 360 degrees all the way around the tower to provide for a completely indoor growing situation. And you can certainly use one of these outdoor models and set up your own flexible grow lights around it to meet your needs. I've seen this done very effectively. Now the split between soil-based systems and hydroponic systems at this point gets a little bit closer to 50-50 in this category. I find for serious indoor growing that going hydroponic is a good setup. It tends to cut down on the problems you have with the damp soil constantly being around like gnats and other insects. And you can more easily control the nutrient level with a water-based system, making them more efficient and making it faster for you to get to harvest. But no matter what you choose, soil-based or hydroponics, the good news is with these systems, they allow you to have a little bit more flexibility on what you grow. You're not restricted to just herbs and leafy greens. You can start to do strawberries and root vegetables and even micro tomato varieties and small pepper plants. And here's where our price point starts to go up, though. You can find small ones that you'll need to modify yourself as low as 50 bucks USD. But once you start getting into the self-watering systems or those with the lights and the other features built in, you're looking at $200 US on up to about $600 for a full setup. Now, what you spend really depends on what you want in your system and how much you want to grow of your own food. $600 for a high-end system seems like a lot, 
but if it's one that's going to last you for years to come and you can grow even just leafy greens year round, you're likely going to recoup that money sooner than you think. I always say start small and see where that leads you, but that's just me. Now, beyond the tower systems, we have the do-it-yourself systems that are sort of a hybrid between your seed starting shelves and the countertop units. You can buy full-spectrum grow lights that are mounted on rails intended to be suspended above a tabletop um, or on the floor. This allows you to use whatever pots or containers you choose and you can raise and lower the lights as needed. This can work well in the corner of a room or on a table somewhere out of the way or in a sunroom or something. They can go as high as three feet or so, so this is a good option for growing larger plants. You might even have success with some bush variety tomatoes and larger peppers with these. And again, the price point can be a shocker on these, starting at around $300 US, and you'll only have about a four foot wide space to work with, but it's a good solution for growing much larger vegetable plants and even small fruits. Now the granddaddy indoor setup of all of them is a small pop-up greenhouse or a grow tent. I'm lumping both of these in together because they're both big, they both take up a lot of space, um, but they have some advantages. The pop-up greenhouses are the size of a bookshelf or maybe a little bit larger, and they are generally clear plastic. The grow tents range in size from bookshelf size to the size of a small closet, and it's completely blacked out, often with the option to zip down a window or two. The inside of these grow tents is reflective, so you can use less light and still get it to bounce around to all the sides of your plants, while the blacked out exterior means that those lights aren't going to be disturbing anybody in the household. Cannabis growers use these grow tents a lot for excluding light from their plants during certain cycles, but they've become really popular with indoor gardeners for many of the same reasons. Now, the pop-up greenhouses range from $45 US on up to about $180, whereas the grow tents range from $100 and then top out around $300 or so just for the tent, and then more than that if you opt for like a complete system. I recently saw a really nice one that has multiple chambers. So you can start seedlings in one section and then grow bigger plants in the other one. And it had hanging bars at the top for ventilation and all kinds of stuff. And it was right around $300 or so. So overall, there are tons of options out there for you to garden indoors, depending on how deep you want to dive into this. You can design your own systems depending on how handy you are and what components that you want to include. But in the beginning, it might be easier just to pick one system that's already set up for you and see how you do. What it comes down to, regardless of setup, is that any plant that you want to grow has the same requirements indoors as it does outdoors. A specific number of daylight hours needed for proper development, a certain temperature preference, the nutrients and water it needs, proper airflow, and time to get to maturity. So your indoor environment needs to be set up to provide all of these requirements to your plants. And just like the outside, if there's anything lacking in this setup, your plants are going to tell you. Once heard someone say a podcast is like a garden. The gardener puts in the effort, but everybody benefits. I think that's pretty accurate. This podcast is a labor of love, and I hope that every one of you is reaping the benefits. If you get lots of great information from this podcast and would like to support it monetarily, you can do that by becoming a patron for as little as $2 a month over on Patreon. 
I'd like to thank my patrons for supporting this and every episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. And if you'd like to join them, go to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething. The link is in the show notes. So we've already talked a little bit about lighting, and I find the easiest way to manage your lighting requirements once you've decided on a system is to use timers. Use timers to turn the grow lights on and off after a set number of hours, and you won't have to worry about whether you turned them on or you turned them off or if the plants are getting enough light. Most plants require eight hours of light per day. They grow faster if they have 12. For demanding plants like tomatoes, 16 hours is perfect. They generally peak at about 18 hours, and then anything more than that can actually cause the plant stress. So for any plant that I'm growing for food, I set the timer for 12 to 16 hours, depending on what it is, and I call it good. And if you're choosing to use regular fluorescent or LED lights instead of full-spectrum grow lights, be sure to choose a color temperature that's as close to the sun's range as possible. You'll see lights, and on the side they say 400,000K, 5,000K, etc. The sun's spectrum is around 6,000K, 6,000 Kelvin. So pick something that's close to that, 5,000K at a minimum, but better yet, choose two different bulbs, one at around 2,500K and one at 6,500K, and then you'll have close to a full-spectrum setup. But what I really do recommend is just getting a full-spectrum grow lamp and calling it good. So that's lighting. What else are plants picky about? Temperature. So if you're planning to grow both cool season and warm season crops indoors at the same time, you'll either need to keep them in separate spaces or find a happy medium for them both to thrive. And take into consideration your own household temperature. If it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer where you live and your family loves the air conditioning, you might be okay having your lettuce plants near the vent, but you'll want your peppers someplace further away and maybe even on a heat mat to make up the difference. Now, nutrients and water. Water is pretty obvious. We want them evenly moist, not soaking, and not bone dry. And this is where hydroponics kind of comes in clutch. I won't go into the differences between hydroponics and aeroponics and all the different ways that you can set up the system because that's enough for probably three full episodes on their own. But what I will say is that with water-based systems on a timer, you have complete control over the amount of water the plants are receiving, and it's a solid way to deliver the nutrients they need exactly when they need it. I'm planning on diving into hydroponic lettuce growing in the coming year, and I'm super impressed by how it all works. Is there something to be said for growing in the dirt? Yes, absolutely. The microbes present in soil contribute a lot to the health and the nutrition of the plant, and therefore the nutrition of what we consume. But for an indoor system, you won't have the same microbes usually that's available that you would um, outside in the soil. And so I think trade-off in terms of management is worth it. Regardless of your, if you're doing soil or water-based systems, what nutrients are we talking about? Well, of course, you'll need to provide the big three, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. But plants also need micronutrients. If you're growing indoors, I suggest finding a good plant food that is specific to indoor growing. There are plenty of options out there that provide micronutrients and good microbes to help with the nutrition of the plant. Feed your plants on a regular basis, and this goes for anything that we're growing in containers, indoors or outdoors. It's a contained system. Those plants are going to use up those nutrients much more quickly, so you'll have to do it on a regular schedule. 
Now I've recently been using a product called Plant Juice from Elm Dirt and I'm loving the results. They're a local company here in Kansas City, but they ship all over. Um, Plant Juice is a liquid product. It's made from worm castings, alfalfa meal, kelp meal. Uh, there's lactobacillus extract in it. There's calcium extract in it. It's got all kinds of microbial activity that the plants just love. And I'm seeing some really good results just in the last few weeks of using it. I'll leave a link in the show notes to their website. I think they've got something really good going on over there. So that's nutrients. Let's not forget about air or airflow, rather. Your plants are going to get plenty of carbon dioxide from you and your family members roaming around the house. So just keep their leaves dust-free and they'll breathe just fine. But they're going to need a fan or something to circulate that air around them. Not only does this help with strengthening the plants, it helps to bring the fresh air to the plant, mimicking the outdoor conditions. You don't need hurricane force winds, just a gentle oscillation, and it doesn't have to run all the time. Just keep it on the same timer as your lights to make it easy. Now, if you run ceiling fans anyway, like I do, then you may not even need a separate fan for your plants. And that last component is time. This, however, is on your side with growing indoors. You have no pest pressure, no wide swings in temperatures, no torrential rains or winds to deal with. Your plants are being given everything they need when they need it. You don't have to time when things should go outside and when they need to be harvested based on Mother Nature's whims. And since you're providing everything so exactly, it's likely that your indoor plants will begin producing before the equivalent outdoor plants will. They've got optimal conditions to give you an optimal harvest. Now, if something's not going right, your plants are going to tell you the same way they will when they're outdoors. The good thing about indoor growing is that you can make minor adjustments to get results because you're not competing with other outside factors to figure it out. In most cases, it's not going to be plant disease if your leaves are yellowing. It's likely a nutrient deficiency. Same with burnt edges to the leaves. Likely it's not pests. More likely it's your lights were too close or too strong. Gardening indoors takes a little bit of the guesswork out of things. That's not to say it's easier by any means. Just like outdoor gardening, indoor growing takes practice and patience, trial and error. You may find you're better at growing spinach indoors than you are Swiss chard. Or that celery does phenomenally well, but you can't grow radishes to save your life. That's okay. You're trying. That's what matters. So that's it for indoor growing. If you have any questions for me that I can maybe answer, jump in the Facebook group, message me on Instagram or on the Facebook page, send me an email, leave me a message at the link in the show notes, all the different ways to get a hold of me. Jump on the website and send me a message from there. I am happy to answer whatever questions I can for you. That is why I'm here. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that indoor dream garden, and I'll keep being your friend in the garden. Have a great week.